Hello there, it's John. And I'm Richard. This is Bronze and Modern Gods, uh, your favorite podcast about comic books. We know it's your favorite. You're just assuming, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're here. <laughs> yeah, really, okay, it's got to be at least one of your favorites or one guy that hates watches hate watches us every week and gives us a thumbs down. I don't care. <laughs> um, uh, any kind of interaction is great for the algorithm. Hey, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bronze of Modern Gods. Give us a like, hit subscribe, leave us a review, all that stuff. Richard, it's been quiet this week. We didn't have any shows to attend. No, I know. It's been real, real quiet on this side. I know it's kind of a relief. I, I caught up on some sleep and I organized a whole bunch of books. I actually did bagging and boarding and boxing. Well, you're, you're ahead of the game from where I stand. I didn't do any of that stuff. I, I did, though, started pulling books. I, you know, here's an evil secret. I'm thinking I'm going to start selling some books on eBay again. <gasps> well, we should have a live sale together first before you go that route. That's not a bad idea. I think I'd love that. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and hit that notifications uh, so you know when we do go live. Waste not, want not. We've got lots of stuff this week. We've got underrated books of the week. We've got the return of the old fart rule, a little show and tell, and our hot book of the week. Richard, have you seen this book? Yes, I have. Wolverine number 37. Uh, it's a one per store. Thank you variant by Greg Capella. Uh, this is a surprise gift to the retail comic shops for Marvel. Supposedly, it was a one per store, but in reality, it's more like a one per distribution center uh, mm-hmm. source that you may have. So some shops, because they uh, order for multiple distributors, have gotten multiple copies. Yeah, if you, if you order direct from Penguin and Marvel, you got one. And if you kept your Diamond account as well... You got another one. Um, this uh, is supposedly celebrating the return of Greg Capullo to Marvel with much more work from him to come. They announced a whole bunch of covers and things he's going to be doing. Of course, we know Greg from his last uh, few years, I would say decades, on Spawn with Tar McFarlane. But more importantly, he got his start on Quasar, one of the best books ever published by any publisher ever in the universe. I'm not wrong. Forget anybody that disagrees with me. Uh, an unbiased opinion from John. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this 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 book in particular is uh, weird. It came polybagged. What a throwback! Yeah, I wonder why. I wonder if, it, like every other polybag book, I'm assuming the back cover has a crease down the back from where the seam on the polybag is. Indeed. Uh, so there's that. Uh, I can't imagine people keeping it sealed. Although a bunch of uh, the eBay sales have it sealed uh, and they're averaging around $75 on eBay. Now, earlier this week, it was a little nuttier around 120, 125 seems to be settling down to 75 bucks. Richard, it seems like every week we say uh, we're over these variant covers and we're over these uh, virgin cover things. Here we are yet again. Yeah. This, this is again, it's manufactured scarcity. You know, the publisher, um, Marvel knows that only a certain, a small number of these books are going out. Although it's very similar to ratio books, you know, it's it's tough to call. The cover itself, to me, I'm not a huge fan of it. It's Wolverine leaping on the cover with his claws out. Um, it's it's just not something that I I consider to be uh, a great cover, which makes you know elevate some books to collectible status. This is its collectible status, in my opinion, is because it's a one once per store. 
Uh, I just don't see this thing flying really high. I see it holding value because of that uh, of that rarity, but you know, it's just not going to hit Legion of Superheroes twenty three level of fame. Yeah, it's just it's weird to me because Greg Capullo has completely uh, submersed himself in this Todd McFarlane style, you uh, know, where he's uh-huh. aping Todd, and here it is, it's aping Todd. I see a little Mark Silvestri in there as well, uh, but. It makes me sad because Greg Capullo had his own style when he was drawing Quasar. Hate to bring it up again. Uh, no, I don't. I love bringing it up every time. <laughs> um, when he was drawing X Force, he had his own style. He had he had this kind of open uh, style that was really appealing. And I wish, you know, I I I, I don't begrudge him for growing, but is growth slavishly imitating another popular artist? You know, we'll see. I mean, he's not in that environment anymore. If if he's working for Marvel now, maybe being free of uh, the Todd Father in terms of creative direction is going to allow him to, you know, experiment more. Maybe reach an, um, a style that's unique to him more so than just aping Todd. Todd. That would be nice. We we shall see. Okay, time for uh. My favorite part of the show now. I like this part. Um, show and tell. Before we start show and tell, someone I can't remember in the comments said something about uh, how much money I must have spent in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, I thought for a second, yeah, that it was kind of crazy. But then I remembered I sold a lot of books to you guys. So uh, it is, you know, that trope of having the, the hobby fund itself. Uh-huh. So um, you might want to do that if you're not a big you're a great Capullo fan. You got that one per store. Thank you, variant. Sell it on eBay uh, and and uh, buy a book that you really want. Like I don't know, Outlaw Kid number ten. Yeah, <laughs> this is um, this was a, a strange little book. This was I get away from the mic. I am just a mess today. Uh, Outlaw Kid was a a, a Western book that ran in the fifties from Atlas. And then Marvel brought it back as a reprint title. It was a reprint title for nine issues. And apparently it sold well enough as a reprint title that with issue 10, they decided to start doing new stories. Uh, so they gave him a secret identity. He wears a mask now and it's, <laughs> it's in the style of a Western Spider-Man. Wow. Does it actually say that on the cover? <laughs> It sure does. Wow. What a way to sell this book. Um, An elevator pitch there. Yeah, the all-new origin of the Outlaw Kid. Uh, Outlaw Kid ran new stories from issue 10 to issue 15 or 16. I think 15. So just a year, bi-monthly issues. And then it ran as a reprint title for another three years. Uh, And so it just must have been something about the title that sold on newsstands didn't matter if it was a reprint didn't matter if it was new stories so uh just a strange one i like this in particular i bought this from i can tell because i saved the sticker i bought this from terry's comics oh years ago he has it at an 8.5 i paid 30 for it back then there is uh the highest uh is a cgc 9.4 on the census i think i pressed this into at least a 9.4 this is something I might have to send in, I think. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't sent it in already. I know. It's been in one of those boxes. Like I said, I was organizing this week, so I'm I'm finding new gems. <laughs> so, there you go. What do you have? Uh, this book, I don't remember if I showed this last time for uh, a number of reasons, but this is um, 
Pop Kills number four cover from, <laughs> <laughs> from Adam Hughes. If you look, I'm hitting the microphone. If you look at the bottom, you see it's signed by him for Richard. Uh, she's showing her assets. So I've got the that, the, that part of the cover. cover you should have used blue painter's tape like we always recommend. I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I really enjoy this cover. You know, Adam, Adam Hughes is a great artist and uh, so many of his covers end up being um, uh, highly collectible. And I think this is this one is as well. This is actually uh, the original Pop Kills number four with where her assets are covered by the, in the comic, the cover itself um, was a Kickstarter book. And um, this is a follow up. This is another print, second print. What, what have you of the book with those assets displayed um i you know I, I liked it i was it was there at at his booth when we were there at um uh, san diego comic-con so i had him sign it for me and uh it's gonna i'm thinking about getting it slabbed i'll probably send it off to cbcs so that i can uh, uh, avoid the green label but uh, yeah that's, that's me. great Adam Hughes, great artist, uh, witty, sparkling personality, conversationalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had his sunglasses on and uh, really wasn't very much into interaction. I don't know if that was just, you know, it was early, you know, beginning of the show. I don't know if that was it, but uh, yeah. he's an artist. He's not a celebrity. He doesn't have to entertain us. I guess not. But if we had fun with, you know, Art Adams is, was a different personality. So Yeah, people are different. People have dis different personalities. Uh, you know, maybe he was... Maybe it was a late night and he's like, who are these two middle-aged nerds bugging me? Uh, speaking of middle-aged nerds, hey, it's Peanuts number four. <laughs> that, that looks really sharp. It is, except for, see the bottom there? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I got see. some schmutz on the Schultz. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, it looks like it's almost like whiteout or something. Uh, I've never tried to clean it, but uh, this is actually Peanuts number four. It is the first real air quotes issue of Peanuts as a as a title, because the first three Peanuts books were part of the four color comic series. So when they spun it off into its own series, they just started with issue number four. Uh, this is one of the covers that's actually drawn specifically for the comic by Charles Scholes. You can tell that it will have his signature on it. The other ones do not have his signature on it. And for all of you spec people, this is the first appearance of Sally Brown. Oh, well, there you go. So make sure you go buy every copy of Peanuts number four right now before that Sally Brown in the Multiverse of Madness movie is announced. All right, what do you have? Um, I am a huge Dave Stevens fan, as um, people who uh, follow the show may know. And I have I always pick up these books. This is a really sharp copy of Vanguard. I think it's Vanguard number um, number two. Yeah, Vanguard number two. Um, really nice Dave Stevens cover. Um, for those who are listening on the podcast, it's a picture of multiple women sh uh, trading fire with some unseen enemy as they try to board their spaceship. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, you know, Dave Steven has a very unique style. And uh, whenever I see these books, this one's dated 1983 in terms of the art. So it's, it, you know, he passed away um, and left us with a legacy. So when I find these books, like this one is marked near mint and it's, I paid, it says 25 bucks. I paid less than that. This is really sharp. I think it's a nine, nine, four. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking about sending it in just because I don't have any graded Dave Stevens books. I have lots of Dave Stevens books, but none of them are graded. So, and I've noticed a, 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 a surge recently in the prices related to Dave's books. So I don't know if other people are discovering him or if uh, there is some, I, I, I know there's no real traction for uh, the Rocketeer, but for some reason we do see some in some increase in prices. There is a very good reason for the increases, and we will cover that in our viewer mail. There's a teaser for you to stay tuned, uh, you Dave Stevens fans. Uh, My next book is a dollar bin special, and it's one of those things that, you know, the shop probably had it forever, and nobody wants this book, so they threw it in the dollar bin. It is Dark Shadows number one from Innovation. This is the uh, series based on the 90s NBC TV series reboot of Dark Shadows. And what's interesting about this, it is a gold foil version of number one. The regular version of number one does not have that gold foil. It is um, a her this a certificate of authenticity on the back, which looks like it was just run off a, you know at the office on someone's Xerox machine. Uh, hereby certify that the item of Dark Shadows memorabilia, which accompanies this document, is limited to an edition of 4,000 and is signed by the illustrators Hector Gomez and Jose Pimentel. So there you go. It's signed by George Broderick Jr., editor-in-chief of Innovative Comics, who is the publisher. Uh-huh. There is the There are the signatures of the artist. It is number 525 of 4,000. And it was in a dollar bin. Oh, and you bought, if I recall correctly, you bought a stack of those, right? Uh, I bought a stack of that revival at Baltimore, but that was a uh, that was a different purchase. I found I found this in a dollar bin here locally at an LCS. So, what are you gonna do? So now I have the whole run. I think I paid twenty bucks for that whole run we got in Baltimore, and now I have the gold foil <laughs> limited edition uh, nice. version. What do you got? Uh, next. Um, Going along the lines again of uh, the Good Girl Art stuff, this is something I, I found at Baltimore, um, and I don't remember ever seeing. No, I, I'm sorry, I did not get this at Baltimore. I got this at a local show. It's One Fisted Tales. It it is a cherry pop tart uh, issue. This is this is from uh, I think '91 uh, is when this came out, but it's um, it's a it looks like a newsprint cover. It's it's a dark. It's a brown cover. It's a plain brown wrapper. Yes, it's, yes. Yeah, it I is. know that because we used to carry that when I was managing a shop in the nineties. And if you uh, look look really closely at the uh, rocket ship that's going up by the logo, <laughs> yes, the rocket ship has some very specific um, vibrating design. Yes, yes, it's uh, it's a massager. Uh, I I I love cherry pop tart uh, from its. You know the the concept of cherry pop tart has always been really 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 cool in my opinion. Um, the um, the comics with an X aspect of it. So this book I thought was really cool. Uh, again, I've I've never seen this book, and I and I thought I was pretty well versed with uh, with cherry pop tarts history. So when I saw this one, um, I had to pick it up <laughs> with one hand. <laughs> Steve Martin uh, when he's. Is stand up, those old stand up where he talks about Farrah Fawcett is so conceited. She has not called me once. And after the hours I spent holding up her poster with one hand, <laughs> um, <laughs> police trap 
<laughs> a transition. Yes. Number two. Uh, this is one of the mainline issues uh, by Simon and Kirby, their own company, pre-code. As you can see, the code drove them out of business. Uh, but this is issue two with an exciting cover about the muster room in the police headquarters where the cops that are off duty hang out, horse play, get their shoes shined. What action-packed comics? <laughs> how can mainline fail? <laughs> Covers like this. It is the most static Jack Kirby cover I've ever seen. Wow. I mean, I guess we're going for like total realism here, but uh, yeah, uh, again, going through boxes and I, I am finding all my police traps and putting them together. There you go. What do you have? Uh, next, I, I'm also, I also love Cerebus. He, one of my favorite characters in Cerebus is Wolveroach. Yeah. <laughs> I saw this because if you're talking about Wolverine, uh, the Wolverine com comic for our uh, comic of the week, this to me is even more cool. For those who don't know, Wolveroach is a character. It's actually a, a, a mentally disturbed gentleman, let's call him that, in, in the series who takes on the aspect of different super superhero supervillains through the course of his his run. And this and this instance. He is uh, Wolveroach. He's a version of Wolverine. And it's the cover is him and a nice action shot with arrows flying by. This is a great shot. Cerebus comics just do not have a whole lot of value. I was offered a whole box of them for 50 cents a piece. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it's just not there. This one has marked as 10 bucks. I think I paid less than that for because I bought it in a stack. But to me, this is a really cool. This is not his first appearance. His first appearance, I believe, was in the issue before this. Uh, but uh, it's just a great, great, great cover, and it shows off the you know the artistry that that Dave Steven has, or sorry, not Dave Steven, Dave Sim has. Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, so it's it's a part of my collection because I remember when this was on the newsstand and I bought it, and it was just such a great story back then. You had the Moon Roach, you yes. had uh, the Dark Roach, which was Batman the parody, of the Dark Knight, Wolver Roach. Am I missing any? Oh, there's there's another one I cannot think no, of the silver roach or something. I don't yeah. know. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, which you should be, and Facebook, you would have seen this book earlier this week. This is Miss America magazine number five. Uh, beneath this wholesome cover of a bygone era that never really existed, honestly, uh, lies a 14-page Miss America. Golden Age comic story and the third appearance of Patsy Walker in a comic book story as well. Uh, got this from Pulp Fiction, my local comic shop. Uh, Ryan, the owner, shout out, a great price. Uh, really just a beautiful blazing white book, white pages. Um, and, you know, it's mostly a magazine for teenage girls. So you've got a lot of articles about, you know, how to be popular and, you know, how to dress and why aren't I popular and why can't I dress? Uh, <laughs> but interspersed with those articles are two comic book stories. The last appearance of Miss America, the superhero, until the, uh, I believe the, um, oh no, she was in the All Winners Squad too. So the last truly solo Miss America story. Uh, and it's right here and uh, can't believe I found it. There it is. Now if you get that slab, is it going to be slabbed as a magazine or as a comic? No, it, it's a golden age size. So it's, it's a comic book size. It's golden age. 
Uh, it's just, it just has a little tight fit in the Golden Age Mylar. But it fits. And uh, yeah, I think cleaned and pressed, it's going to be a 6.5, maybe a 7. The only issue I see, I don't think this is foxing, but there's something happening up here. I don't know mm. if you can see that brown schmutz there. Yeah, yeah. Just, but, just, just trim it off. Exactly. Speaking of trim, uh, this looks like it's got a really nasty spiral, but it's actually bad printing. See how the yeah mm-hmm. cover ends there? Look, you can see yourself, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Derail this podcast. Okay. How are you going to wrap it up? What do you have? Oh, uh, nothing really special. This is um, back in the day when uh, the turtles turtles were uh, were new. They did these. Um, the exact title is Martial Arts Authorized Training Module. They did a manual. They did one for each of the turtles. This is Michelangelo sitting here on the court cover. Tough cover. It's a black, all black cover. The reason I bought this is because it is mint. It is really, 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 really sharp. Those are hard to find in yeah. great shape because of the black cover and nobody cared. I got another dollar bin fodder for years. Right, right. So I am um, I am going to give it a quick press because that's all it needs. And I'm going to, in my next batch that I'm going to submit, which which may be a while, given CGC's pricing recently, um, I'm going to send this in because I, I, I would love to get all of them. And um, it's just a throwback to that era. Uh, let's give everybody an update on our submissions. We submitted, both of us dropped books off at Baltimore Comic-Con on September 10th. Mm-hmm. I had Modern, Vintage, and uh, what's what's the other one now? High Value, that's what it's called. Uh, modern, Vintage, and High Value books. They were received on September 15th, which is crazy, and they were all scheduled for grading by Friday the 22nd. So they're all, or no, they were they were all in grading and encapsulation by yesterday, Friday, September 22nd, when we were recording this. So I should be getting books back in a week or so. I I submitted four books. I cut down the number I was planning on submitting because of the cost. Mm-hmm. It, it really, between those four books, it was over $200 for, for grading fees, which I thought was just, it was a lot. So uh, the three three books I did send and uh, three of them were vintage and they they also received received on the fifteenth and they are now in uh, grading encapsulation imaging. One additional book that I submitted, which was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one, uh, second print. That one is a magazine high value, mm-hmm. and it's still sitting and scheduled for grading. So right. I don't know when that's going to move. Again, we've noticed that magazines take longer than regular comics so yeah there's an update for the people that were asking uh us uh in a segment we call viewer mail you've got mail so let's head to it uh here it is uh my first piece of viewer mail is from our email at bronze and modern gods at gmail.com from mike will who writes hey hey mike enjoy <laughs> your comments so i would like to get your opinion on facsimile comics what should their place be in the comic market are they reprints or special editions or vanity books or what? How should they be considered in a collection? An eBay seller sells exact copies of comics with no notice that they are such. While some of their books are clear copies with pages similar to IDW's artist editions, others are undetectable copies that can only be revealed by their paper quality. No one else has World Colors newsprint. 
What do you think of such books? Well, we're talking about not official facsimiles. Sounds like we're talking about mother blanking bootlegs. Yeah. What they are. They're bootlegs. They're crap. They're trash. They're, um, they are kindling. Use them to start a fire as the fall season is upon us. There's a nip in the air. No, they're crap. I mean, why would you want one? Well, you know, Cerebus number one has has uh, counterfeit copies that are considered of value. Uh, but way yeah, to, for the, way, to, way to go for the one single outlier. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. You know, there's we're really talking two different things. We've got the official facsimiles, which you know I've got. Uh, up on the wall, Fantastic Four number um, number one is the Golden Record reprint, for example. Um, that is an official reprint put out in 1966, and it has uh, it has a significant value, partially because of its age, but uh, also it looks just like the original, and it has the same patina. So it kind of, in my collection, it sits there in place of the original number one because I just not want to be able to spend the money for a a nine six number one as that's up there on the wall um and then there's more recent you know all of the ultimate fallout four facsimiles and the hulk number one facsimiles those are all great those are those give you an opportunity to hold the comic in your hand and be able to read it as far as value goes you know they're they're uh most of them have no significant value because they're they're printed in volume and there's really no scarcity to them so to me they're there because People had lost, didn't have the opportunity to read the, read the original, and this gives them that opportunity. Now, the other kind of facsimiles is, is what I think what you're talking about, where people go out and they use the high tech technology, you know, high tech scanners and uh, printers that are available to them to print a copy of a book um, that already exists. Uh, it is not an original book; it's simply a book that looks like that original. And I think people use that to defraud other people into thinking that they're buying the original book. Yep. And, that, and that's, as John, John mentioned, that's, that's, that's kindling. That's, 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 first of all, it's, it's, it's a practice that l lessens the hobby in general. And uh, it's, it's, you know, you are potentially criminally liable for it as well. So I definitely would not go through the process of selling anything like that. If you buy something like that, then I think the best you can do is uh, try for your, yeah, reach out to your original seller and 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 inform them. If that doesn't help, if you bought it on eBay, you've got eBay protection, and and if if all else falls short, alert the community of, the, of that seller so that the people are aware uh, of what the, his his or her practices are, and uh, hopefully have someone else avoid the same kind of pitfall. All right. What do you have? My uh, first piece of your mail is from our email, bronzeandmoderngods at gmail.com. And it's from Darren of the Fantast Collection. And I really appreciate him reaching out. Um, this is a response to uh, a piece of your mail from our last week's show when we asked about the name of the collection, the Fantast Collection. And he says, uh, watch your latest YouTube video. Um, thanks, uh, thanks for your coverage and your kind words. It's amazing how well you understand our story and support it. It is an amazing story. It means a lot, and uh, and I watch your YouTube content regularly. Well, thank you. You did have a question about Fantast as the collection name. I wanted to answer that. Fantast was a handle my father would use on website and blogs where he wished to keep his identity private. 
My father was very interested in the occult, UFOs, and the human psychology surrounding them both. Uh, I cover that uh, this in a video that details our custom CGC label on SellingSuperman.com. It's on the homepage if you scroll down a bit. When I learned the dictionary definition of fantast was one, dreamer, believer, impractical person, and two, individual with extraordinary foresight. I knew those uh, definitions were very, ac uh, very accurate, accurately described my father and how he collected. It therefore made sense to name the collection Fantast as an homage to my father's irrational and his foresight. Wow. Uh, that's, that is awesome. Okay. That, that makes a hundred percent sense. Um, and I think it's a great, it's, it's, it's a great way of honoring your father by, you know, recognizing, um, his, the two sides of his personality. So kudos. Thank you very much for reaching out to us and letting us know. And it's, um, if you think of anything else that, that you'd like to bring to us, we'd love to have you on the show again and, and, and talk about your collection. Uh, everyone, where are you at with your estate planning this week? Okay. <laughs> just, just, you know, plan your estate. You never know. Yeah. Be just walking down the street and you get hit by a seagull. What? Uh, my next piece of your mail comes from our email at bronzeandmoderngods at gmail.com from Todd T who writes, hi, John and Richard. I've been watching your show for the past two years or so. My apologies. And I have enjoyed it very much. I was wondering if you guys have seen the Dave Stevens documentary called Dave Stevens drawn to perfection. If uh, I've seen it already, I've talked about it. If you've seen it already and talked about it on your show, I apologize. It is currently on Amazon prime. It's really well done. It talks about his time working on Hollywood movies, including working as a storyboard artist on Raiders of the Lost Ark. It also goes into his relationship with Betty Page. <laughs> there are several interviews from family and friends, including Jaime Hernandez, Bernie Wrightson, Michael Kaluta, Adam Hughes, Bill Stout, and others. I think you guys would like it a lot. Love the show. Thanks, Todd. Gee, Todd, why do you think we would like that? Uh, no, I have not watched it, and I'm the worst. I, I You guys have given me so much homework the last month or so. Um, but uh, this Dave Stevens thing, it sounds very interesting interesting to me. I like the talking heads they got in there, so I have to see uh, all those guys talk about Dave Stevens. And hopefully he gets I, – I, you've, you've seen it, Todd. I have not. Yeah, hopefully he gets into the Pacific Comics stuff, the Steve uh -huh. Shane stuff and what happened there. Uh, Richard, have you seen it? I have not. I, I've known about it, but like you, I'm so far behind. I'm three episodes behind in Ahsoka, which I really, really want to watch. I just not have have not had the time. Todd, short answer, no, but it's on the list. Thank you for letting us uh, know. It's uh, after my estate planning. <laughs> what do you? Uh, my next comment is from a YouTube commenter, Spider Comics Eleven Eighty. Hey, Rich, when discussing the inability to produce a 9.8 situation, we talked about difficulties mm -hmm. in getting 9.8s. You mentioned to the naked eye. I use a set of magnifying glasses with a built-in LED globe when, cl when cleaning and inspecting my books. It increases the harshness of my grading that may assist your follower. I can clean a book with my naked eye and then put on the glasses and I will be able to find and sometimes correct uh, further issues. 
Yeah, that's that's true. I I think it's the whole concept of if you look at it with with your naked eye, your eye over time will learn to uh, bypass certain certain flaws. You, they'll just your eye will just pass them by. But when you look at them through some third party like a magnifying glass or the camera on a cell phone, your eye will then be able to pick up those flaws that it was it was uh, not noticing otherwise. So it's always a good idea to, before you submit a book, take a look at it through. And the magnifying glass is a great thing to do or some, some third party kind of, um, you know, uh, camera or lens to kind of separate yourself from the direct viewing of the book. And if you see any flaws, correct them or adjust your own personal grade to them. Cause sometimes it's flaws like fingerprints on the cover, which I've caught using this method, are difficult to remove, and you just have to accept them. So, yeah, and definitely. I think, guys, you just got to be honest with yourselves when you're grading mm-hmm. a book. You got to, you, know, you know, it's, I know it's your copy of Miss America number five, and you want it to be in your own. <laughs> it cannot will it into existence. Well, sort of with pressing and cleaning, it kind of can, but <laughs> you can. But like I said, things like fingerprints, and you know, there are some flaws that are difficult to see when you're first looking at a book, but when you look at it at an angle and you get it right, you'll be able to see those kinds of flaws because that's what the person who's grading the book is going to be doing. So you need to mimic that, that whole examination. If not adding finger bends and fingerprints themselves. Hey, my next piece of your mail is from our email at bronze modern gods at gmail.com from Brian Barrist. Hey guys, I wish I could have made it to Baltimore. I'd never been before, but alas work and other commitments have prevented me from going. I hope to meet you both there someday. Question, with pre-code horror being the hottest genre in the hobby, do you think that Silver Age DC horror could start to see some love in the future? Between Neil Adams, Bernie Wrightson, Nick Cardi, and Michael Kaluta, among others, these books have great covers and interior art. They also have original stories as opposed to the Marvel horror stuff that reprints pre-code stories. I will admit that I am biased because I collected this stuff in the 90s and held on to it all these years. I recently went through and pulled books out of their original bags, and many of them were beautiful, high-grade books with awesome covers. Appreciate your thoughts, as always. No race-related topic today, but always up for that discussion. Cheers, Brian. <laughs> Brian, cheers to you. Um, I've always been a huge advocate of uh, DC, mostly Bronze Age horror, not so much Silver Age. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the Silver Age is limited, like you said, to those really classic Neil Adams covers, you know, of the woman in white running from the Gothic Tower. Whereas the Bronze Age stuff, you've got the rights in covers and, and those Kaluta covers and uh, just beautiful things. And the inside art, you know, it's all, uh, air quote, unknown Filipino artists inside, you know, being done in a bullpen, like almost a factory kind of thing. But it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Uh, it's so nice. And then you open it up and you get sometimes a little surprise, like Frank Robbins. Ah! <laughs> um, but I, the, you're, I agree. I don't think Brian, they're underrated. I think they're very popular. I think uh, if it's a high grade bronze or a silver age, a horror DC book, you're going to get what you want for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I also really appreciate the, the, the bronze age books. Again, it's a bias we have, John, because that's that's more of our era than the Silver Age books were. We're the ones with the money. Yeah, yeah. So 
I, I definitely, you know, I, I think, I think a rising tide uh, raises all boats. And I think that as, as the pre-code horror becomes more and more popular, people are going to migrate to the things that are, are more uh, affordable. And that means silver age, bronze age um, books. So definitely I'm, 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 I'm proud of you for holding on to those books. <laughs> and and if, if you're looking to sell, I mean, you, 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 you'll probably benefit from holding on to them because I think, I think they're going to increase in value. When I say we're the ones with the money, I'm talking about not Richard and I, we, the collective, we, everyone listening to this podcast, that's in this age group that we're the ones that have somewhat disposable income. And we grew up in this time. And that's why these books are hot. Mm -hmm. What do you have? Uh, my last comment is from uh, another YouTube comment, Revolt Puppy. Mm. And, and this is talking about booth prices. What do you uh, make of the booths at cons where, the, where they promise everything is 50% off? Clearly, they double their fair market value so that they can sell it at that price uh, once the discount is applied. Do you think this makes customers less likely to haggle with them since they're already giving you a deal? I kind of get nefarious vibes for them because I feel they're being manipulative and it makes me wonder what they're getting away with that I don't see. You know, this is an interesting question. I, I have a value when I look at a book, regardless of what it's listed at, what I'm willing to pay for it. So um, if, the, if the book is 50% off and the value is exactly dead on what I think it's worth, then yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to I'm going to consider the rest of the of the books in there, you know, probably double price. But I'm not going to pay, you know, I I wouldn't have paid that price for it in the first place, you know, the full price of the book. Uh I would have paid, you know, whatever I considered to be a good price. And I think this was in re regards to I I bought a book that we talked about last show and um uh, cover says, you know, the sticker says 40 and I paid 20 for it. Right. Um, I thought it was, I thought, you know, for $20, it was a good value. Um, $40, it wasn't. So, you know, I, I buy the book, not necessarily the price. So take a look at the book, take a look at the condition is what the ultimate price they're offering at. Is that a, you consider a fair price, then buy it. If you don't consider it a fair price, ask for, you know, throw out whatever the price you do think is fair. If, um, if it's in one of these bins, 50% off dollar bin, you know, two for $5. The, the seller is automatically incentivized to, to get rid of it. You know, they haul these long boxes full of books around every single show. And if it means one of their 50% off books goes away and they don't have to haul it, they, I think will be uh, amenable to some kind of discount. So don't never be, never be afraid to ask for money off of a book because the worst they can tell you is no. Revolt Puppy, marketing, pure and simple. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. It catches your eye. You see 50% off. You think immediately your lizard brain goes, someone's liquidating their collection for half off. I must go over and go through those bins. It worked. It got you over there. You may feel skeevy once you start going through and you see the pricing. But like Richard said, everything's negotiable. Everything in life is negotiable you guys not just comic books everything in life is negotiable let me pontificate no all right let's stop <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah pay 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 what you think is fair regardless of what the marketing around the the, the sale is and uh you'll be happy with it
Your boss told you you're not getting a raise this year? Okay, that's fine. What am I getting instead? Am I getting increased vacation time? Am I getting increased benefits? Everything is negotiable. Even a severance agreement, Richard, if you get let go. You know that's negotiable, right? Yeah, I, 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 I'm I familiar with that. Yes, I am. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've got, I sound like an old fart. Hey, it's the old fart rule. <laughs> Segways are us today. Old fart rule. Uh, so appropriate because we were just talking about two of these things, the artist and the genre. House of Mystery, issue 321 from 1983. This is the last issue of this long-running horror anthology that began in 1951. Excellent Michael Kaluta cover, which is fitting after all his horror covers throughout the Bronze Age for the multiple DC horror titles. This cancellation marked a real shift in comics to almost all superheroes all the time. I think when this was canceled, DC still had a few things uh, that were non-superhero related. Jonah Hex continued for a few more years. GI Combat and Sergeant Rock, I think, went to 87, 88 each. But this was sad. Um, You know, I say it's sad. I never bought it. So there's a reason why it was canceled. Um, you know, uh, probably strong newsstand sales at one point, but in the direct market, this book was not going to cut it. Uh, a CGC 9.8, though, happened to sell this month for $319, while a 9.6 last sold in 2022 for $27. There's that drop-off between grades you were talking about last week, Richard. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's an end to an era, absolutely. Did I buy this issue? Absolutely not. No. It was not, not on radar. I was, you know, when I was at this age, I was heavily into the superheroes. And I was also buying indie books, but not horror books. I will say I did. I'm taking that back. I, I just remembered I bought this book about the last year and a half, two years of its, of its existence because it had I Vampire. Uh, which was a serialized story that was like kind of had superhero Tomb of Dracula tropes in it. Uh, and But, you know, they wrapped up, I guess, I Vampire wasn't enough to keep this book going. They wrapped it up two issues prior to this uh, canceled uh, issue. And uh, yeah, so I take that back. I was buying it. Weird. How could they cancel this book I love so much, Richard? <laughs> I'm retroactively infuriated. <laughs> Let's move on to our underrated books of the week. Here is a first, Richard. You are the first one to do this on this show. You're a brave man. Go for it. Because I, I don't know how our audience is going to react. Go. Oh, okay. Uh, so my my pick this week is Skeleton Warrior Couldn't Protect the Dungeon. Okay. This is a web comic. This is something that John mentioned we have never talked about. Um, and uh, there's a whole there is a whole subculture that revolves around web comics both professional and fan-made web comics can i stop you there mm -hmm. challenge the term subculture i would argue this drives the comic culture in 2023 do you know how many millions of people read web comics webtoons yeah yeah it's it's this particular one is started off it's a it's a korean web comic uh something that is called manhwa it's a comic style that from South Korea influenced heavily by Japanese manga. Uh, and it was translated into English. 
And I'm going to, we're going to throw a link into the show notes for this show uh, where you can actually read it from, for the life of me, I could not find the fact that it was somebody actually charges for this. It is, it is a fascinating thing. So um, the, the story itself is all about this skeleton who is summoned by uh, a mage fights for the mage and dies. Next thing you know, the skeleton reawakens and has been teleported back to in time to when he was summoned again. He's full aware, fully aware of what happened previously, and he gains experience through this whole process. So he it takes him several different times of dying in this whole process to actually defeat the, the the people who kill him in that in that phase. And it's all about his adventures and how he gets stronger. If you're familiar with lit RPGs and the whole concept of gamifying stories, uh, this is this is very similar, and it's it's um it's it's great. And what I love about it, it's it's this is a very organic story. They're still adding chapters to it. If you go, the link that I included has the most recent chapter, which is number two hundred and fifty-two. Mm-hmm. So it's a rather large story, and uh, you can follow the adventures of the skeleton as he levels up and and uh, has adventures with um, with friends he gathers along the way. And uh, it's it's um, it's a great story. I mean, I, I enjoy just reading it. And because it continually is added to, um, it never really ends. At least I don't see a, a, an ending to it. Check it out. It's, it, it's as John mentioned, there's there is a whole series of different manga books that are available online as, as web comics. And um, this may give you an entree to that world and uh, give you access to stories that you wouldn't read from Marvel or DC, like this story, you know, about a skeleton, um, about some poor, poor spawn that gets killed and, re- and reborn. Uh, it's definitely, definitely not a story that Marvel would tell because it's also kind of violent, to be honest with you. So now it's a great story. And like I said, as far as I can tell, it's free. Chapter 252 was the most recent chapter. Uh, if you keep an eye on the site, if new chapters come out and translated, they'll be added to the site. There are a number of other sites out there that list this comic. I, I gave a link to one that isn't kind of spammy because some of the other sites have lots of ads and things like that. But no, it's check it out. I think that you'll be drawn into that whole world of online comics. We have entire uh, ecosystems around Webtoons. Uh, Webtoon probably being the biggest uh, and, and, and best. You have uh, Tapas. You've got all sorts of Marvels dip their toe in it with Marvel Infinity using Marvel characters. Horrible, horrible art. Marvel, if you want people to read your webtoons, please hire an artist. Not Oh, it's so bad. They must be paying these people nothing. Um, I mean, they, there was one, um, I will say in the Marvel superhero, because it's the genre we are always drawn to. They did, uh, Tom DeFalco and Ron friends did a webtoon for a next, uh, brought back that, uh, alternate reality Avengers, future Avengers title for a, a Marvel webtoon. Um, webtoons kind of like Xerox. We shouldn't just call them webtoons. It's a brand name. <laughs> Yeah. Have you read any? Uh, any? Yeah, sure. Laura Olympus is a very popular one I've read. And uh, yeah, uh, it's inter- how did you discover this? I'm curious. That's a good question. Uh, I've known about this for a while. For some reason, it's not actually, you know, the spark to say, oh, boy, this is something underrated that we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen until this week. 
Um, I, I probably came around uh, through different manga sites. I do frequent different sites. Uh, and uh, this particular topic, you know, I'm big into D&D uh, &D and gaming, mm -hmm. uh, was interesting to me. And I started reading it and just got drawn in. All right, you guys, more of this, or do you want Richard's head on a pike? Let's find out. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, we've we've kind of strayed from the bronze and modern <laughs> moniker that we we've had quite a bit at this point. It doesn't get more modern than this, I would argue. Um, it doesn't get more unmodern than teenage romance number eighty four. Wow, that's a transition that I don't think I don't. <laughs> the whiplash uh this uh under this jack kirby cover of course uh it contains two stories uh by stan and jack and for all you don heck fans that are going at me in the comments still to this day there is even a don heck story inside which is much better suited to his talents than superheroes uh prior issues of teenage romance which was retitled uh, from the long-running My Own Romance in late 1960, were very heavy on the Vinnie Coletta and Dick Giordano art. But starting with this issue, issue 84, Jack comes on board and starts doing stories. In this until uh, there's a one point, like the last three issues, I think are entirely 100% Jack Kirby art. Uh, there is one single solitary lonely slab on the CGC census for this book. That is a 5.0. So if I slab this, it'd be the highest graded. I should do that. Uh, this is one of those incredibly obscure early Silver Age Marvel series that are extremely tough to find. Have you ever seen this book before in your life, Richard? No, no, I can't. Did you that. know there was a Marvel series called Teenage Romance? No. There you go. Um, when they do show up on eBay, lower grade copies, we're talking 3.0s, 3.5s. They go for about 40, 50 bucks. So wow. these, these books are money right here. I, I gathered as many as I could when I was collecting them uh, 10, 15 years ago at four or five bucks a piece. And now they're all sitting in a box ready for my estate planning. <laughs> all right. That is going to wrap it up for us this week. Richard, remind everyone where they can find us if they want more content. On Instagram and Facebook, they can find us at Bronze and Modern Gods. Or on the web, they can find us at bronzeandmoderngods.com. Hit like, hit subscribe, help us out, tell a friend, tell your mom, tell your dog. And we will catch you next time. Everybody, stay safe.